My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Today, I would like to discuss a danger to those our dearest citizens, and by that I mean our children. A danger harbored not in the dark woods or urban alleyways, no sir, a hazard that instead lurks in the brightly lit aisles of where? Our nation's groceries. Even that store which resides here in the bosom of the Mid-South, Truvo, Mississippi. How can this be, you may ask? I shall explain. This morning I entered our town grocery, Clemmer's Value Food, where I was greeted by its trusted proprietor, Ethan Clemmer Jr., scion of the Clemmer Empire. Well, it's just the one store, really, but good enough. Anyway, this Ethan Jr., he's a fine man, and he runs an honest business. No thumb on the scale or milk past due, no sir, not at his establishment. Not in all the years I have patronized his market. And kind? Why, Ethan would as soon press an indigent neighbor for payment of his tab as he would paint his face bright blue. He just wouldn't do it. Ethan offers credit, and Ethan is a credit. A credit to his community. So naturally, I expected nothing sinister when I walked through his door this morning and espied a new sign over the fruits and produce. Clementines. $4.95 a bag. Clementines, thinks I. Whatever could those be? So I put the question to Ethan. I said, Ethan, what are those clementines you've proffered for vendition? And Ethan, he said, Why, Farmer Gray, clementines are like little oranges, except they open real easy. You can tear off the peel with just your fingers. You mean, says I, you need neither knife nor peeler to expose the fruit within? And Ethan says, No, sir, not with these beauties. So I asked him, I asked, Ethan, exactly where did these clementines, as they're called, come from? All the way from California, says he. California, USA. Well, dear listeners, whether California truly belongs to the USA is open for debate, but I decided not to press the matter, not just them. Instead, I simply explained to Ethan, as simply and patiently as possible, that the liberal agenda that powers the socioeconomic engine of that western state was now bleeding into the Mid-South, and that he, Ethan Clemmer Jr., was enabling this destructive scenario through the sale of these very clementines. What's more, says I, it is the children of Trouveau who will suffer the consequences of these far-left machinations. Well, I don't need to tell you that this revelation left Ethan thunderstruck and more than a little confused. But they're just fruit, he sputtered. Oh, they're more than that, I told him. They're nothing less than an inducement for our young folk to reject parental counsel and eschew responsible discipline. They are, in short, a gateway to juvenile recalcitrance. How so? asked Ethan. How so? I will clarify for you as I elucidated for said proprietor. Now then, take a true orange, a Florida orange, a staple of the South, its succulent core encased in a thick dimpled rind. Now you do not peel the orange with your fingers. You cannot, for its armor is too sturdy and can only be breached with knife or dedicated peeler. 
Now, let's say a tiny child, one of four or five years and far too young to wield such implements, asks Mama or Daddy for an orange. If the parent says, Yes, my dear child, you may have an orange, the tyke must rely upon Mama or Daddy's skill with said utensils to expose the sweet flesh of the fruit and offer it gladly for youngsters' consumption. But what if, on the other hand, the parent says, No, dear spawn of mine, it would not be seemly for you at your tender age to partake of this decadent fruit. Well, in that case, baby has no choice but to conform to this pronouncement, for he or she has no means to access the desired pulp. Now, let's observe the same domestic scene in a home where good old southern oranges have been supplanted by California clementines. No, says Mama, you may not eat of the tiny fruits, for you are unformed and therefore not prepared for the sensual pleasure they offer. Mama then leaves the kitchen, satisfied that she has responsibly parented the child at this critical juncture in his development. Ah, but the child is defiant and believes that it is he, not Mama, who knows best. And so the young miscreant steals a clementine from the icebox crisper and proceeds on his own, with neither knife nor peeler, to tear open the easily removed outer covering and greedily devour the forbidden fruit inside. Remind you of another story? One situated at the front of a little book known as the Holy Bible? Yes, dear friends, for just as Adam and Eve defied their heavenly parent, so will the children of Trouveau and thousands of other communities reenact the tragedy of original sin. Well, now apprised of my reasoning, friend Ethan took said thesis to heart, for he is, as I have said, a fine man. I will order no more, he assured me. Just good oranges from Florida. You can count on it, Farmer Gray. As for me... I only pray that my message reaches all mamas and daddies within the lower 48, leaving out Alaska and Hawaii, where they feed children whale blubber and coconuts. They rest in their bins, these clementines do, waiting to divorce our virtuous infants from the wise counsel of their progenitors. The warning has been broadcast. The abstention is up to you. Yes, sir. Now here's a fact for you. Old Farmer Gray isn't just an expert on the agrarian. He's a writer, too. That's right. Yours truly aspires to a literary lifestyle, so long as it doesn't intrude upon his devotion to the plow. But Farmer, you say, aren't such belletristic pursuits the provenance of liberals and socialists? Not in this case, says I. Not when one writes the truth, for I have drafted a story that blows the lid off the immigration controversy and reveals at last the beneficence of our president's efforts on behalf of those lost souls streaming northward from those benighted countries south of the border. I have submitted said tale to that venerable publication, The Reader's Digest, and I have no doubt it will be welcomed into their pages with open arms. But you, dear listeners, have no need to wait for this groundbreaking narrative to appear at the checkout counter of your local grocery. No, sir, for I will treat you to a recitation of said yarn right here and now. Title, 
the boy from Guatemala. To begin, the small brown boy stumbled along the dusty main street of the tiny Texas border town, tired, thirsty, and dressed in rags. Sheriff Bow, standing before the plate glass window of his office, gazed upon the child through clear blue eyes. With one look, he knew the boy's story, for many such children emerged from the desert, penniless and parched, members of an undocumented diaspora, praying for a drop of sucker and seeking the American dream. "'Excuse me, young man,' said the sheriff, "'but I've not seen you in town before. "'What is your name, may I ask?' "'My name is Manolo,' said the boy. "'I see,' said the sheriff. "'And where are you from, Manolo?' "'Guatemala, sir,' said the polite little fellow. "'Guatemala,' said Sheriff Bow. "'That's a long way from here. "'And where are your mama and daddy, Manolo?' The boy shrugged his shoulders, for he'd no idea. All he did know was that he had spent many weeks in the company of rough men called coyotes, crossing dry, flat lands and rugged hills until he had reached the U.S. border. "'Do you have any documents, Manolo?' asked the sheriff. "'Anything that would certify your identity and grant you permission to enter this country?' The youngster said nothing." for he did not understand the question. He knew only that he was far from home and very tired. So Sheriff Bow performed the rite he'd executed a hundred times before. He took the boy to the local diner for a meal and then drove twenty miles to the large shelter where children like Manola were housed and cared for while the immigration courts decided their fate. "'Welcome, young man,' said the shelter's director, Mr. Smith. "'We're going to take good care of you while you're here.' And with that, Manolo was given a set of clean clothes and new shoes and then put to bed for a good night's sleep. The next day, the boy began his new life at the shelter, attending class with a lot of other children. The teacher told them all about the founding of the United States and the great men of the 18th century who created the three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. They must have been very wise indeed, decided Manolo, to think up such a good system of government. When school was over, it was time for play, and Manolo learned a new game called baseball. Oh, thought Manolo, it takes much more skill to hit a little ball with a wooden bat than it does to kick a big clumsy ball with your foot like we do in Guatemala, but it is also much more fun. Manolo took the baseball right away and even got a run. That's right. And when the game was over, it was time for supper and Manolo was told to wash his hands. Oh, Manolo exclaimed as he turned on the tap, I have never seen water so clean, and he scrubbed his hands spotless. Then he and the other children lined up in the dining room. Goodness, said Manolo, I have never tasted such nutritious food, and so much of it, too. The boy ate heartily, for no one at the shelter went hungry, even for a moment. Finally, the moon having ascended into the starry Texas sky, 
it was time for bed. Oh, thought Manolo as he lay beneath the covers, I have never felt such a soft mattress. And that was the last thing to pass through his mind before he sank into a deep sleep. In this way did Manolo pass his time at the shelter, studying hard, learning to play baseball, practicing good hygiene, and sleeping in his cozy bed. One day, the teacher lectured the class on the two political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. There are many differences between them, she said, and they disagree on numerous things. For example, it is the Republicans who have instructed us to care for you here at the shelter, but if it were up to the Democrats, you would reside someplace else. Manolo raised his hand. Yes, Manolo, said the teacher. Are the Democrats bad people? asked the boy. The teacher sighed. No, Manolo, she said. They are not bad. They are just misguided. Maybe so, thought Manolo, but from now on, I am definitely a Republican. Then one day, the director called Manolo to his office. Manolo, he said sadly, I'm afraid you can no longer stay here and must return to Guatemala. But why, asked the boy. Because, said Mr. Smith, your application for residency has been rejected by the courts. If only the Democrats had not blocked comprehensive immigration reform, then surely you could have stayed. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry, Mr. Smith, said Manolo. I want to go back to Guatemala. You do, said the director, incredulous. Yes, said the boy. I want to go back so I can teach my countrymen all I have learned here in America about good governance, clean water, nutritious food, and, of course, baseball and soft beds. Then perhaps one day, Guatemala will be as great a nation as the United States. Why, Manolo, said the director, that's a wonderful idea. I'm sure you'll be a marvelous advocate for the American way. Manolo smiled broadly, but then, just as quickly, his grin disappeared and he became downcast. Why, Manolo, said the director, what's wrong? You said you were glad to be going home. I am, said the boy, but there was something I wanted to say to your American president. Now I will never have the opportunity. And Manolo stared sadly at the floor. That is until a voice boomed over his shoulder, Oh, yes, you will. With that, the boy turned and blinked his eyes, for he thought he might be seeing things, because there, standing straight and tall in the doorway, was the 45th President of the United States, Mr. Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, said the director, I'd like to introduce you to Manolo. Hello, Manolo, said the president, who, at six feet, five inches tall, had to lean down to gently shake the boy's hand. M Mr. Trump, stammered Manolo, what are you doing here? Oh, I like to stop by every so often, said the president, just to make sure the children have enough milk and blankets. After all, what sort of leader would I be if I didn't take an interest in these, the most vulnerable visitors to our United States? Then he put a hand on the boy's shoulder. But what is it you wanted to say to me, asked Mr. Trump. 
Manolo turned red and looked down at his shoes. Now, Manolo, said the president, I won't be able to sleep tonight if you don't tell me what's on your mind. Well, said the boy, lifting his head and meeting the president's gaze, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say, thank you. And with that, Manolo boarded a waiting bus to begin the long journey back to Guatemala. The end. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I must ask Zeke to play me out, for I have a tear in my eye and can discant no longer. (laughs) 